Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, you are. Father, we thank you for who you are. We bless you for the privilege that we have to know you. Thank you, Father God, that you are everything you ever desired to be in us. We release ourselves to you. We thank you for the power of your spirit. We bless and honor your name. Thank you for your work this morning. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this morning, we will continue from where we left off last week. But as I do so, I just want uh, to help us or to bring to our attention that God is indeed moving in our midst. Yes. <clears throat> and so this morning, I just want to read to you a, a quick testimony, and then we're going to dive in the message from John chapter 6. If you just kill the clip, if you kill the clip that I forwarded to the media, if you just clip... Man, are you ready kill, for what no, this morning? I didn't say play it, I said kill it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And so, before we go to the clip, let me just bring to the front, I want her to read for me this testimonial, uh, the only Blackberry owner in the sanctuary. <laughs> Miss... Proud Blackberry owner. <laughs> now, this is not Blackberry, so. Okay, I'll try to be read Be careful. It. Okay, okay, praise God. <laughs> I just want her to read the testimony okay. to set up the stage for the video clip and everything to get in the message. Praise God. Good morning, Pastor. I trust that this meets you well. I just wanted to affirm and confirm the word of God in your mouth. I talked to Brother Stefan yesterday, and as part of that conversation, I wanted him to ensure that Nasser was prayed for as he leaves for North Carolina. I had just logged on online to worship along with the rest of the church and was getting ready to compose a text message to Brother Sam Suwumi and Stefan to remind them of my request. I should have known that the Jehovah Jireh, the one who makes provision in advance of the need, had already gone ahead of me to take care of my need. And I marvel at how he did it, thus confirming and affirming his word in your mouth even before it was spoken. Thanks for your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I know you know I am excited about my son's progress and promotion, but I also know you understand, as a loving father, the trepidations of a parent, when a child, even one raised in a Christian home, leaves home for the first time to strike it out on their own. I know God is with him, but your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and your obedience have brought peace and rest to this father, and for that, I and my Father, thank you. Be blessed always. Amen. Amen. Now, I did not read that to you to give credit to me. Nothing to do with that at all. Absolutely nothing to do with that at all. I only read that to you so you will know that whatever concerns you have about yourself, your families, your businesses, Whatever your issues are, whatever cares you may have, you need to understand Isaiah 65 verse 24, where the Bible says, God says, that before you call, I will answer. And whilst you are yet speaking, are we here? Pastor Charles is in Virginia due to a job relocation. 
And he had this issue with concern for his son being prayed for while he was gone to make sure that the ball was released properly within the congregation. He never spoke it to me. I did not know anything about that. But as I was speaking last Sunday morning, I saw the boy come in and I called him right away and prayed for him. How do you think that happened? No credit to this mortal person. None at all. I'm flesh. But all that credit goes to God. Amen. Who saw Charlie's heart and connected his heart with my heart at the precise moment when the boy walked in. And not only that, I allowed the father the benefit to turn on his computer and watch it happen in real time. So you're telling me you have a concern right now this morning that God is not aware of or that God cannot resolve or that he cannot solve. That there's an issue with you that is hidden from his eyes? No. Now, there is a place for prayer. I want to make sure you understand that. Isaiah 65, 24. Before you call, I will answer. But while you are yet speaking, I will hear. So there is a place where you don't say anything and God knows. And there's a place where when you are speaking to him, he hears. Yes. So there is a place of pressing in in prayer. Why? In prayer, you are not getting out of God. The grace to believe God for what God wants to do is released to you in the place of prayer. So we must pray. And that's why this year we want to start the year out. January 26th, Friday, 9 p.m., we want to come back here to pray. We want to thank God for the first part of the month of the new year, but at the same time, sow the seed for February. Yes. January 26th is a Friday night at 9 p.m. Go home after work, get a little bite to eat, and come back here at 9 o'clock. Let's pray. Let's seek God. Let's press in this year so that whatever God has promised, none will be amiss in the name of Jesus. Amen. Did you get the message? Yes. Yes. Do we need the clip any longer? I yes. don't think so. Let's move forward. John chapter 6, verse 48. Amen. You got the message already. There's no sense for me to play the clip. The clip will have been from last Sunday's message. You see NASA walking the door and we pray for it. But that's not necessary. Amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 6, verse 48. We began the year by speaking about the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The unveiling of Christ. And Jesus began to speak to us from last week as the bread of life. The bread of life. In the book of John alone, he made seven declarative statements that help us to establish who Jesus is, and as a result of that, what he, Jesus, wants to be to us. Seven declarative statements. The first one that we saw last week was the fact that he said in John chapter 6, verse 48, I am the bread of life. That's the first one. And so over the, over the, uh, in the next few weeks, we are going to be addressing the rest of the declarative statements. And as I say that, remember the month of February, we're taking a little break. 
to strengthen, to encourage, and to build our families. So while that is going on in February, we may not address these statements, but we'll pick it up immediately after we've done and dealt with the family. Do you understand that? Just so you get a roadmap as to where we're going. So, okay. John chapter 6, verse 48, I am the bread of life. So last week, we said last Sunday that, number one, Jesus, by using the metaphor, the bread of life, he's saying that it's essential for life. Secondly, last week, we said that Jesus is not just referring to the physical life, but also to eternal life. Now, maybe I need to help define that a little more. In John 17 verse 3, eternal life is defined for us. This is life eternal, that you may get to know God, know him, God, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So the essence of eternal life. Yes, there are aspects of eternal life that has to do with everlasting life. You're living forever. Absolutely. Okay? But more than that, why you are going to live forever? Why you're on this side of heaven? What do you do with eternal life? Before you get to heaven to live forever, while you're here, God says eternal life means knowing me. Getting to know me. And part of all of that, eternal life, also defines the quality of living. John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. So eternal life has also to do with abundant living. Amen? So we need to understand that. So number one, he equates himself with bread to mean it's essential for life. Number two, that it's not just physical life he's talking about, it's also speaking about eternal life. Number three, wow, is that a blackberry or what? <laughs> Number three, <laughs> Number three, Jesus in saying, I am the bread of life, uses this phrase, I am. And by saying that, it makes another important declarative message which is hearers on that they would never have missed. I am means I'm deity. You remember the time when God came to Moses in the book of Exodus? In chapter 3 verse 14, when God was sending Moses to go back to Egypt to redeem or to save, to deliver the Israelites. Moses asked this God who was speaking to him, who shall I say sends me? Who is sending me to deliver your people? What is your name? God simply said, tell them I am that I am sent you. I am that I am. He said, that's the name God gave to Moses as his ID. And that name, from then till today, is this speaking. In other words, whatever your need is, just place I am in there. Put it, I am. Whatever check, just sign the name, I am. The signature on this check is not Rocky Fuller. It's not Warren Buffett. It's not Bill Gates. It's not Banker Kimola. It's I am that I am. Listen to me, it works. 
I remember years ago in Gombe, Nigeria. True story. Me and a group of us went to Gombe to do a meeting. Only is laughing because he knows the story. We got there, and for some strange reason, we were there for three days. I had, a, oh, I don't know, about six Americans with me. My wife was not on that trip. I don't know if Sammy was born again then, so he was not there. <laughs> Just teasing. But we got there, and I tried to change my U.S. dollars, and for some strange reason, in the city of Gombe, is that not Blackberry? God deliver all these Blackberries in this Sunday morning in Jesus' name. For some strange, bizarre reason, end of story, we just didn't have enough money. I mean, this the most beautiful hotel in Gombe. And I have about six, seven Americans with me. We, we, had, we were there for a three-day meeting. Uh, we had to live there, sleep there, eat there. As for some, I can't remember the whole story now why the money was not available. And so finally, I told the desk clerk, I said, bring me a promissory note. This is a true story. I said, bring me something. By the time this meeting is over, we'll pay you. And I sign it, I am that I am. True story. I kid you not. I lie not in the Holy Ghost. Listen, the, the reason, what I'm sharing with you, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do. Amen. Amen. I signed it. Day number one, people that came to the meeting, they know what's going on. We are preaching, shouting, happy. They don't know I have a, I have a promising note. <laughs> That's due in three days. Now, we had a lot of materials, teaching materials, books, that we're going to sell during the program for which we're going to have the income to pay our bills. And I remember what happened. I think it was Nigeria Airways. Our goods did not arrive. The flying elephant. They chose not to fly. And so therefore our goods did not arrive. Let me leave that At the end of the third day, the last session, all the materials arrived from Lagos. People bombarded the tables. We had over and above sales. And we had over and above money. Amen. And I walked confidently to the reception desk. I said, here is my promissory note. I am that I am as shown up. How much do we owe? We paid it all in full and tipped the, the, the people and said, be blessed. Amen. True story. So when you hear I am, it's not just mere words. Deity is speaking. The one who holds the heaven and the earth. The one who spoke the word and everything came to be. The one who created and framed the world by the words of his mouth. When he says, I am to you, you can take it to the bank. It cannot fail. If it did not fail for me. And God is no respecter of persons. Why should he fail for you? So number one, he says, I'm essential for living. Number two, I just didn't come to give you physical life. I came to give you eternal life. Number three, I am, which means I'm deity. Take my name. I'm telling you, my name opens any door. I don't care who, who locks that door. When I am speaks, the door must open. Yes. Go and ask the Red Sea. Ooh. Hallelujah. When the Red Sea saw I am coming, it parted. 
Straight away, any sea or anyone or any valley that's trying to hold you, yes. if you invoke the name of what's in you, you will see those doors open before your very eyes. Hallelujah. Number four. It gives an invitation. In John chapter 6.35, it gives an invitation to all those who are following him. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. It means placing our faith in him that he is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do, and that he is the only one who can. Come and believe. Folks, I'm telling you, this is the crux of the matter. He is the bread of life, there's no question. But if you don't come, and when you come, if you don't believe, you will hear it with your ears, it will never happen. Yes. We must place our faith in him. Not, not having faith in ourselves, no. No, my faith, your faith, we fail. But faith in him and what he has done and his intentions towards us. Placing our faith in him, say, Jesus, I don't understand this. I don't even know why you are doing this for me. Nevertheless, at thy word. <laughs> Go and ask Peter. Experienced fisherman. He toiled all night using all his intellectual capacity as a fisherman. Yes. And he came up empty. Are you a businessman here? And you are toiling and you are striving. You are having strategies. You are making plans. And your business has not profited you. And you're wondering why? Perhaps you've not spoken to the one who has the key to your business. Perhaps you think Wall Street Journal or CAN or Fox or whoever they are, all these business forums, you think they're the one that has the answer. No, they don't. They are limited. Peter said to Jesus, are you kidding me? When did you become a fisherman? I've been a fisherman all my life. Are you going to tell me that you, you know what to do about this fishing? See, that's where we are. We know a Jesus who's supposed to be a rabbi, but we don't understand a Jesus who's also a businessman. <laughs> so we limit him to just being in the synagogue. We limit him to just being in a classroom teaching a Sunday school lesson. You don't recognize that every business that prospers under heaven only prospers under its watchful eyes. Yes. He is the embodiment of all wisdom. Yes. Jesus, the Bible says to us in 1 Corinthians number 1 verse 30 that he has been, we have been made unto him. He's been made unto us. All wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, and redemption. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Richard Branson, I don't care. Bring all the best of them from Harvard, from Princeton, from Yale. They have nothing close to what Jesus has to offer. Nothing close. Peter finally found out. I said, okay, all right. I'm an experienced fisherman. We've told all night. We've caught nothing. But I thy word. Yes. Hey, I hope somebody will receive that word this morning and just embrace it and say, I receive your word. I don't understand it. I don't know why. Yes. But because you spoke it. Yes. And the Bible said they cast their nets on the other side as they were instructed. 
Just think about that for a moment. They didn't change, they didn't change canoes oh. or boats. No. They didn't change. Oh. They did not go to a different river. No. They were on the same spot, only two feet away from their destiny. Ooh. You've been fishing on this side. Now it says, change directions. Ooh. In other words, you've been walking in darkness. You've been toiling with the devil. Change directions. Turn to the other side. Yes. Because in the other side is the light of the yes. day. Hallelujah. And when they launched their nets to the other side, the Bible said they caught so much fish, their nets were breaking. God wants to break your bank accounts. Yes. That limitation of your CDs. You thought you put some money away as a savings. God wants to bust it open by listening and following his word as Jesus Christ, the son of God. Amen. So he gives us an invitation to come and to believe. Now, let's go now to, hey, I want to give us one of the keys to this miracle. When he was asking those disciples about bread, he first asked, Philip responded, he talked to Philip, Philip said, verse 6, he said, a hundred denied worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Verse 8, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lot here. It was five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? And what I just want to emphasize for one quick flying second is that we should never under any circumstance despise whatever you have. Now, now let, let me say that again. Because we hear this in the hearing of our ears. But when it comes to reality time, 99.999% of us forget that. We are always looking for what we don't have rather than thank God for what we already have. The key to this miracle was the boy that had five loaves and two fishes. Somebody must tender something that they have in order for God to do something with it. Amen. No, God did not create the earth from nothing. No. He created us from something, but that something was not what you and I would have expected. He used his words. He opened his mouth and used his words. That was something. That was an ingredient. And God said, had God not said, nothing would have happened. So in the case of nothingness, when nothing was around, nothing was available, he used the only available thing. Yes. His word. His word. We get caught up in what we don't have. Rather than getting caught up in what we already have. We allow the circumstance, the hardship, the situation to overwhelm our big God. 
We make the problem big when we make God small. That must be a reversal. When God engaged Moses in the book of Exodus and said, go to Egypt and get my people out, Moses was like us. I stammer. I'm a Hebrew. I've been in the backside of the desert. He was talking about all the negative things that disqualified him. Finally, God said to him, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? My friends, your victory, your deliverance, your breakthrough will not need for you to go to Harvard. God will use what is in your hand. But for him to use it, you must give it to him. God sent Elijah to the widow at Zarephath. <laughs> the widow said, ah, prophet, if you're really a prophet, you must know how desperate I am. As I'm speaking, as I'm looking at you now, as I'm looking at you, I'm about to go home and just die from, from starvation. Can you imagine that? Yeah. See, you and I read that today, we say, ah, how, how ridiculous is that? But that's where we are. We may not use those same exact words. Yes. But the enemy paints such a gloomy, doomy picture of hopelessness to all of us and we bite. All right. But thank God for the man of God. Amen. He listened to that and said, okay, what, what is in your house? Oh, I said, but I have a crystal ball. What? You have a jar of oil? That's all I need. That's enough. Because we are dealing with a God who takes the smallest things and make big things out of it. Go and ask the mustard tree. Huge tree. But if you saw the seed, you can't even look at it. It's so tiny. You need a microscope to see the seed. That's how tiny it is. But the God we serve is the God that specializes on taking the smallest of things I'm making the biggest of things out of it. Amen. Go ask Bethlehem. That small, insignificant place in Israel that you have to, you can't even find it on the map. And it is from a place like that, say, my son will be born here. And out of Bethlehem, his fame will be noised abroad. Yes. That's who wow. God is. Wow. That's who God is. How about David? You are going to fight a, a giant, a Goliath? Goliath? You're going to fight Goliath? Are you kidding me? What would you need? Not Korea nuclear weapons? <laughs> or the American military power? Which one would you use to fight Goliath? Look, you see how young you are, 16 years old. Are you kidding? Are you out of your mind? What did they have? A sling. Do you know how ridiculous that would be today for me to go to Pentagon? I said, I can find ISIS. And they said, what are you going to use? Oh, I'm going to use my sling. <laughs> I mean, they will call all the, all the smartest doctors. They will arrive within, within, within 10 seconds. I said, carry this guy away. He's crazy. He's crazy. You are going to find ISIS that we've been looking for for the last, what, 10 years with, with the catapult. Catapult. Where, where was it made? In your village? Where? Which village? They laugh at us, come. Not knowing that God will use the foolishness of this world. The very foolish things. Things that make us laugh. You see how, how we're laughing? That's exactly what God does. 
So I'm saying to you, don't despise your miracle. Just because you don't have something seemingly big. Moving along here. Moving on. Next. In that John chapter 5, John chapter 6. In verse 30, yeah, that's in 35. He said a lot of things. I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never fast. What is Jesus talking about when he said that? He promised to, he promised to alleviate hunger and thirst. The big key for this one we find in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. A few chapters earlier. What did he say to them? He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 6, verse 35, is that he will satisfy your hunger and your thirst to be made righteous in the sight of God. He is the key to righteousness. You and I will never become righteous as a result of what we do or what we can do. Now, if there's anything in human history and religion has taught us, it is that people seek to earn their way to heaven. This is such a basic human desire because God created us with eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 11. We saw this in Thailand a few months ago. Everybody wants to be right with God. If, if you go to the, to the, to the witch doctor, if anywhere you go, there's no person that says, I don't want to be right with God. They're just creating their own ways and means of getting it done. There's a desire within humanity. There's no one that says, you know what, I want to live perpetually in sin. No. Everyone wants to be delivered from sin. The issue is how. How? We cannot earn our way to heaven because all have sinned. Romans 3.23. Only thing sin earns is death. Romans 6.23. There is no one that is righteous in himself. No. Romans 3.10. Therefore, our dilemma is to have a desire we cannot fulfill no matter what we do. That's where Jesus comes in. He said, he and he alone can fulfill the desire in our hearts for righteousness through the divine transaction that took place at the cross. When we place our faith in him, Jesus, our sins are imputed to him and his righteousness imputed to us. He satisfies our hunger and our thirst for Righteousness is a bed of life. I'm almost done. One last point here. Because now with all of this now, the question is, how does this apply? How do we live this out? How do we, how do we live this, all of this out? Jesus is a bed of life. How do we live it out? Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Although, during the course of the message, we've really dealt with a lot of applications. Well, let's just, let's just put it all together. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. Thank you. 
The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Verse 17, thank you. This is the key here. This is a practical application we can do now. We can do tomorrow. Apart from everything else you've learned already. For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Whoa. That's a mouthful. Let me just take a couple of minutes to unpack this. For we, though many, are we many here this morning? Yes. So Paul looks at us, he says, you are many, but you are also one bread. I want that to sink in. I know some of us, are, how can one of us be one bread? We get back to that calculation again. How is this possible? This is a spiritual entity. This is a spiritual thing. We are many, but we are one bread. Remember, whatever is true of Jesus is also what? So forth. So though we are many, we are one bread and one what? Body. For we all partake of that one bread. So what is this talking about? What he's saying is just as bread in the physical meet and satisfy the human physical needs. Even though, even so rather, even so, all of us as the bread of God have been empowered by God to meet needs within the body. Let me say that again. We, though many, are one bread. If I was to go back to my village now and get you a loaf of bread, it's one big loaf like this. If I tear a little bit of that bread away, what have I done? I've dismembered it from the rest of the body. Is that not correct? If I, if I tear a part off and put it here and I put the rest over here, they're still part of the same thing, aren't they? Correct. When you look at that bread, the grains inside the bread, all, that, all those grains, they constitute the whole of the bread. Together they do so. All right. And in order for you to be satisfied, you must partake of, as you, as you partake of this slice, and you over there partake of that slice, together, all around the building, as we eat of, that, of the slices of that bread, we are all getting filled. But it came from what? One bread. Yes. Am I losing you? Let me give you the application in the scriptures. Acts chapter 4. Verse 32. I've told, I've told my household, don't go back to that African store and buy the African bread again. That thing is a crime. <laughs> that Ghanaian bread, that thing, I tell them, I said, I'm not going to eat this bread again. Faith will go there and buy maybe two loaves, <laughs> put them there. Maybe God will help me one, one day, one day, two. And now, in, in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, I'm going to the restroom. I see that thing. 
I said, man, a little bit won't, it won't hurt. Before you know it, the love is gone. So I ate some, Fit ate some, my wife ate some, and we all, at the end of it, one loaf fills us. That one loaf satisfies a need in all of us. Amen. Do you get the message? Yes. We, though being many, we are one bread. Look at what happens in the book of Acts. Verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were what? One heart. You can put one bread in there. And one soul. You can put one bread in there. As a result of them being one, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Why? They had all things in common. When I put a loaf of bread here and I tear a part off, a, a part here, a part there, if that loaf was there in that corner, another one here, none of, neither of those slices or pieces can say, I'm alone. I, 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 I have, no! We are part of the same. All right. Next verse. This next verse, if you don't understand what I'm saying here, almost... It's almost like an aberration. It's like it did not go with the rest of the thing. But look what it says. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And grace, grace, I mean, great grace was upon just the apostles? No. Oh, no, 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 no. You didn't know. Please, I must have made that up. How many of you had grace? Please, sir. Use your broadcast voice. Oh. Thank you, sir. Do you hear it? Oh. The guy is a broadcaster. Oh. I can't say it like that. Great grace was upon what? All of them. Why was great grace upon all of them? Because they were all of one. One bread. Yes. One, body. Yes. one body. Thank you, sir. Yes. So the grace is not like what we see today. This special man of God. This special woman of God. And this special. No, 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 no. The problem is we are not living as one bread. When we live as one bread, that grace that baked the bread and made it satisfying, that grace that made that bread the bread of life will be released in all of us and we will see the great grace of God multiplied on all. So how did they do it? Verse 34. Now, was there anyone among them who walked? No, 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 you're not reading it. Please, read it again. There was not one among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. And by the way, there was no seminar that said go sell your house. No, they didn't have a, a conference that says go sell your land. Nobody had to tell them because they were one bread and part of one body. And the head of that body is the bread of life that satisfies the needs of humanity by spiritual intuition. They understood that if we're in this room and there's a lack among us, my God, I'm going to step in and meet that need because we are the witness, we are the face, we are the light of God to our world. Therefore, we cannot have a need. Listen, if you guys don't want me to tell you the truth, let's just close it down. 
This is Christianity 101. This was a distinction. This was what scared the Jerusalem to heaven. I don't want to use the other word. The H-E-L-L. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were was sold. Next verse. And laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Was that, what, was that not what Jesus did in John chapter 6? All right. <laughs> he broke the bread and gave it away. Folks, this is Christianity. Now, we're not coming... Don't, I can see some of you having panic, panic attack. I'm not going to ask you to go sell your house. No. Or your land. Or your maserati. No. Although that would be good if you sold it. No, I'm not saying just saying. No, we're not going to... But what I'm saying is, when we understand that we have a collective destiny... When we understand that the Red Sea, when it was parted, all went through it. When the Jordan was parted, all went through it. And here in the book of Acts, no one had any lack. Why should we come to church and work fine? And the brother is riding a bicycle, needs a car. And I have three cars parked in my, in my garage. Two of which I've not driven for the last two years. I've not driven a doggone car for two, three years. It's just parking there. And there's a brother who has a need. And I have the audacity to come here. Hey, hallelujah. I surrender. Oh, you have not surrendered nothing. You are a liar and the truth is not in you. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. I have a five-bedroom home. I'm the only one there. Somebody just came in from across the street, from across the town, across the nation, and I got the doors to my house. I cannot entertain or host them or be hospitable for three months or two months or whatever the case may be. And I come to church and I have the audacity to say, I'm a child of God. No, you are not. I don't know who your father is. When I left Nigeria in 1972, a guy who never knew me, does not know my parents, does not know nothing about me, hosted me in Toronto, Canada for six months. I did, have, I did not have to pay, put a dime on the table. Not one penny. An unbeliever did that. And you host a person for a weekend and you want to be patted on the back. Liar! Ah, let me leave that alone. That one is too hot. It's too hot. Christianity 101. To the glory of God last Sunday, when we announced the training, as I was going down the aisle after the service, a young guy came to me and said, Pastor, if anyone wants to come to that training and they don't have money, 
I volunteer, I'm going to pay for it. That is the spirit of though being many, one bride. He said, don't announce my name. I don't need commendation for it. I just want to be a blessing. That is the essence of living. That's what it means to me. That's the essence of this whole message. I don't want us to get happy and just get happy and forget the real practical application. Jesus meets needs as the bread of life. And we are that part of that bread with him now. With him being our head. Look for needs around you. And ask God, how can I be an answer to this need? If you can do that, you're on your way to stupendous blessing. I kid you not. Because God is looking for channels to manifest his blessing to others. And whoever volunteers for that assignment, God said, I'll make sure you're fully loaded. Because I can trust you with my goods. Yes. That when I bring the goods to you, you pass it on. Yes. Yeah. That's what it's all about. I just closed one verse of scripture. Galatians 1, 15, 16. We talk about this theme, this year, this theme being the unveiling of Christ, the revealing of Christ. Paul says in Galatians 1, 15, 16. He said, when they placed God to separate him by his grace from his mother's womb, and he told us why. In verse 16. He said, to reveal his son in me. Why? Why is there going to be a revelation of Jesus Christ? That I might preach or reveal them among the Gentiles. The reason God wants to be revealed in us is that so through us, we can reveal him to those around us, particularly unbelievers. Father God, this morning, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being part of this one bread where you are the head. We understand from what you've said to us these last two Sundays that the bread is means to satisfaction. We understand from your word to us that we cannot discount or we should not discount what we already have in our hands. For some, maybe time. Others, maybe money. Some, could be hospitality. Kindness. Whichever gift you've given us, help us to appreciate that gift and not be looking for what we don't have. Help us not to despise what you've placed in our hands already. Help us to bring what you've placed in our hands to the table like that small lad did in John chapter 6. Help us to make them available. Help us, Father. Help us. Help us to repent, to change our mind, to turn away from selfishness, self-centeredness, where we have totally, completely focused on us and miss the big picture of what you're doing. Help us, Father, to lift up our eyes and see that the fields are already white for harvest. Help us, Father God. Help us. Help us this morning. Help us, Father God, to humble ourselves to repent, to change our minds. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that from this day forward in this house, we will be our brother's keepers. 
we will be on the lookout for the needs among our body to be the expression of your love among us. Yes. We receive the empowerment from you, whatever that is, based upon the need in this house. Yes. That wherever there is a need, we see ourselves as the answer and the solution. In the name of Jesus, we receive that grace upon us now. And as a result, you promise in Acts chapter 3, no, chapter 4, verse 33, that great grace will be released upon us all and that we will all see the power of your resurrection at work. Thank you, Father God. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. You are a great, 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 great God. Yes. Great God. Yes. Great God. Your name alone be honor, glory, and power. Yes. And Father, what we pray, we remember our brother, Richard Ligaman. The case is not done, it's not over. We know it's over with you because you've already done it. We thank you, Lord God, that as he goes to court in March, that the great grace that's upon us will be upon him and upon everyone in that courtroom. We thank you, Father God, for complete, total annulment of all charges upon him. We thank you, Father God, for your release and your liberty so that Richard can return to his own company and testify of your goodness because you are a great God. We receive the testimony. We thank you for it because we know it is done. We rejoice in what you've done and we bless your name forever because we know you said in your word, Isaiah 65 verse 24, that before we call, you will answer. And now while we're speaking, you are hearing. And so Father, we've heard you now because you've heard us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for favor all around. We bless your name because you are good. In Jesus' mighty and majestic name I pray thee. Amen. Amen. Amen.